This is The Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hey everybody, we're back and uh, today uh, we begin a new book, the book, uh, New Testament letter of Colossians. It's a little four chapter letter. It will take some time to get through it, which is always fun for me and hopefully it'll be fun and educational for you. Remember that this archives immediately on Facebook. So you can watch it anytime during the week. It goes to our NBCC Narco YouTube channel. You can get catch it there. You can download these things as a podcast. So my heart is that you would learn and grow in the scriptures. And we'll see one of the reasons even why today in this first study. Now, the church there at Colossae, because it's a local church in a local city that was planted by Paul. <clears throat> in this city, it used to be a thriving city previous to this time under the Persian Empire and, and, the, and the Greek empires. But what happened to this city, like happens to some cities in our country, when a major roadway changes. Like, for instance, if there was that city had a, a major their main highway through the city was a major roadway. Then they put a freeway, you know, five miles down the road. Then it really kills a lot of business for that city. Well, that's what happened here. They had a, um, a thriving city in many ways, and then they changed the road. And so it becomes, it goes from a thriving big city to a very small city. And yet Paul writes to this uh, group of believers here in this small city, and it teaches us at least one thing from the get-go. You never despise the day of small things. Never look at someone and say, well, that's not um, important enough. It's too little. Or that church is only like 20 people. Too no, they're all important. Everything's important. Now, let's begin with the question. <clears throat> and the question is why? Why does Paul write uh, to these uh, believers here? Well, there's something going on within the church there. A guy named Epaphras, he writes because he's worried about false teaching coming in to the city or into the church. It's the same thing that I feel. Um, I feel very strongly that my job is to watch over the flock, watch over false teaching, and I've, I've had to d d dialogue and talk to people, something pretty straightforward about certain things you're trying to bring in, and I'm not going to allow that to come in. Um, if you read the New Testament, you find that it's filled. I mean, it literally is very, very um, consistent in that we need to stay with good, strong, biblical teaching, orthodoxy, straight doctrine. <clears throat> now, specifically, the false religion that's trying to invade the local church there is called Gnosticism. <clears throat> not agnostic. Agnostic means no knowledge. They don't know if there's a God or not. They're not sure. But Gnosticism is different. Gnosticism basically means to know or to be in the know. And these people came in there and they claimed to be in the know about the deeper uh, things of God and of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take you to a verse not in Colossians. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to read these two verses to you just to give you kind of um, an idea of some of the things that Paul speaks against or how he speaks against it. In 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4, he says this. He says, um, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. How many know the devil's a pretty crafty guy, right? <clears throat> your minds, notice what the enemy's after. He's after your thinking process. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. In other words, he wants you to stay pure in the pure word of God. Verse 4 says, here's the key. <clears throat> For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, 
whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Now, what's going on here? <clears throat> well, there's always going to be false teaching trying to invade the church. It's always going to try to get into your head, this false teaching. We have a common enemy, the devil. And if we get a lie in our head or just a little bit of variance to the truth, then he can lead us down wrong roads. And he states there that, um, that there can be different Jesus preached. Now, we know there's only one, but he's telling us that people can give different versions of Jesus. That's, that's a dangerous thing right there. Now, let me explain it this way <clears throat> and how the enemy works with this illustration. Now, don't tell my family this. If you watch this one and they don't see this one, don't tell my family. But <clears throat> I don't like trying new things. But I tried something new a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, I hate onion rings. I just hate them. Because I don't like onions. I just, oh, just the, just the sound of somebody biting into an onion. Oh, it's like your fingernails on a chalkboard. But I was out with some of the guys for church for my birthday and stuff like that and their birthdays. And so we order onion rings. They go, just have some, just have some. I go, well, I like the outside. I like the batter, the deep fried. So I said, okay, I'll take a piece. And I dipped it in ketchup and this other, and it was really good. And I ate a lot of it. Don't tell my family. Don't tell my family at all what I did. Now, here's what would happen. Here's what happened is I dipped it in there and, and that deep fried part that I really enjoyed, you know, the good part, the part that God made, I ate that with the ketchup and I couldn't taste the onion. It was great. It was fantastic. Once again, don't tell my family I tried something new. But this is exactly what the devil does. He tries to mix something in there. You can't really taste it at first. You just like the deep fried part. But he mixes it all together and something you can't taste, but, in, but eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to get you. And, you know, onions will eventually get me. I just don't like it. But it was good. But here's how it works. That onion with the outer deep fried batter, it synced together and I couldn't taste that onion initially. And yeah, the ketchup is even better. That's what false religion's about. Syncretism. You sync Jesus with other things. You coat him in a different batter and or you or vice versa to try to mix things together. And that's what the enemy does. He'll always throw a little bit of slant to something so you can't pick up on it right away. That's what they did in Exodus 32 at the golden calf because the golden calf wasn't about a new religion. In those days you would you'd have your false idol, your ride on or ride, stand or sit on a bull. And that's what they did. They synced it together. And that's what's going on in the Colossian church. And what are, they, what are they kind of mixing together? What are they singing together? These Gnostics, they're singing together Jewish ritualism, paganism, and they're sprinkling it all together with, with some Christianity, mixing it all together. So, <clears throat> and you may think, well, that's terrible. Well, Christians do this all the time, and they don't even realize it. Christians all the time. Don't you ever hear, oh, well, I feel and I think. Well, you know, you may, what you feel and think may not be backed up by the Word of God. So now you've sprinkled something new into the mix. You've, you've got the hidden onions in there and we're just tasting the batter. No, it's no different. You're synchronizing Jesus with something else and it just doesn't mix. You can't do that. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think or I think or feel. If it goes against the Word of God, the Word of God is the Word of God. So let's get into it now as Paul is going after these guys. The first thing I want to tell you is this. We have no lasting peace without grace. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints, 
and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now, the first thing I want you to notice, he's talking to the faithful brethren. Now, why would he say that? Because you have unfaithful, false brethren in that church trying to spread the Gnosticism. So he's talking about the faithful ones to the pure word of God is what he's doing. But here's what I like. Grace before peace. And it always works that way. Let me put it in, um, in a way that we can understand it. See, all of us, um, <clears throat> as a follower of Christ, we walk in the grace of God. We're accepted flaws and all. And that should give you peace. That God has graced you. That you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. His love, His favor, but He just graced us. And that gives us peace that the relationship is good. Not based on what I can do. For instance, in Genesis chapter 29, you have uh, an interesting uh, experience there or story where Jacob, he had to marry Leah first because she was the oldest. He didn't love her. And he marries Rachel after that. This, this crazy situation happens. Now, having children in those days, um, really, really big deal. Real big deal. But guess what? Rachel, whom Jacob uh, loves, she can't have kids. She's tried, she can't have kids. Leah, she's like a children factory. She's pumping them out left and right. But the problem is, no matter how many kids she gives to Jacob, he doesn't love her. He loves Rachel. And she tries and she tries to get his love by having kids and giving him more children, but he never loves her. She's working for love. When you work for love, you're always insecure in the relationship. Always. Now think about that. Our relationship with God, we don't have to work for it. We don't have to work for His love. He graced us. I don't have to produce, though I do serve Him, do I do produce for Him because I love Him, but I don't have to do that to get His grace. And because He just graces me based on nothing that I do except for put my faith in Him, I have peace. I'm favored. I'm loved. You know, most relationships would stay together if we live that way. If we just gave each other grace and favor in these marital relationships and family relationships that we knew were accepted no matter what, because every one of us is going to do some bonehead things at times. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. People should be hearing good things about us. Now, watch what he says in verse 3 and verse 4. People should be hearing good things about us. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. Notice he says, since we heard. Oh, so we heard about something about, yeah. Mm -hmm. What he's saying is, you know there's people hearing about how your faith and your patience and your love and all these things in you. And people are bragging about the Colossian Christians. Now, you and I make mistakes, and there are probably people out there that we've made mistakes with. They don't like us, and they just talk bad about us, because we're all flawed. But a high percentage of people should be saying some good things about us. They should be bragging about our faith, and bragging about our service, and bragging about our love for God. They should be saying good things about us, not bad things about us. That's the second thing. Now, the third thing I want to share with you out of this text is this. God's Word is potent. God's Word is always potent, and I think we forget this. And in verse 5 and 6, let me read it to you. It says this, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, 
which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in, in you, also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Now, the word of God is potent. Here's, here's where he's going here. Now, the word gospel means good news or means a really good story. It's the word of truth, okay? <clears throat> he says the gospel, to, he's writing to the Colossians, it's invading the entire world. Sidebar question. Why is it that if we have such a great story, a good story, that more people don't embrace this gospel? Let me just speculate. Maybe, um, maybe it's the version that you and I are living out in front of people. Maybe it's just not attractive because we're not giving them the real version of Jesus through our lives. I mean, just something to think about, about that. Now, notice the potency of God's word. He says in verse 6 that it's constantly bearing fruit in the entire world and in you. The gospel bears fruit. Let me show you why that's important. Have you ever noticed that when a person, when you present the gospel to somebody or they've heard the gospel, now that gospel, that truth of God's word begins to rattle inside them? It begins to rattle because it's alive. The word of God is not dead. It's alive. You share with a family member. You share with a friend. And they may start making worse life decisions, but just know that God has not failed. It's the word of God rattling in them, and they're trying to fight it. Just understand that, okay? The Word of God is alive. Think about it like this. When Jesus would um, come near a demon-possessed man in the Gospels, notice this the next time you read it. That demon-possessed man on certain occasions would start being thrashed about because the demon knows Jesus is here. <clears throat> the demon knows Jesus. He's always known him. And so he starts thrashing the man because he knows Jesus has come to set that man free. And so the demon's going to work double overtime to really wound the person. Same thing happens. And I'm not saying your family member friend's possessed. So don't say, well, Pastor Jim said you're possessed. No, I didn't. What I'm saying is this. When you share the word of God with somebody, don't be shocked if they get a little crazy on you. Don't be shocked because it's a real spiritual world with demons and angels Beyond our world, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's a real world like that. And when the word of God is presented to somebody, you better believe that all hell starts shaking around that person because they don't want that person to come to God. And then the word of God starts rattling inside of them and going against everything they believe. Just know that's what's going on. Let me tell you what that does for me. It takes the pressure off me of trying to be the person to save somebody. If I have an opportunity to share, I share but it's not, I, I can't save anyone. I let the Word of God get in there, and once it's in, it starts rattling around, my friends. Now, it's potent. The fourth thing I want to say, and last thing, is this. God's Word always produces specific fruit. And we find this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. It says, Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. He also, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. Mm, that is very interesting to me. Now, <clears throat> I want you to notice a few things, okay? First off, notice that um, he says, just as you learned. The word learned is the idea of a disciple of someone. Mm. So he's saying you guys are true disciples, those who are really following the Word of God. 
Now, with that said, <clears throat> you think about these people are being faithful to the real Jesus as real disciples. They're being taught the Word of God and they're embracing the Word of God and not the worldly words of these Gnostics or whoever else. But the big question is this. Um, what specific fruit does it say it produces in a person who's studying the Word of God, reading it, and allowing it to be taught to them by the proper teachers who teach the pure Word of God? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> Paul gave us some earlier in the chapter, verse 4 and 5, and you add those to these, and you find out in those verses, uh, in verses 4 and 5, you find the specific root is, is faith, it's love, and hope. The Word of God, proper Word of God, the true Word of God being taught to you, being read and studied, should always produce in us faith, hope, love, or any way you want to put those there, but love usually comes first if you think about it. Faith. Faith in the reality that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. Hmm. Love that we have for all the saints and for all people. Hope. For a great eternity in heaven with Jesus. Faith, love, hope. Let me show you how this works. And I wish people would get this because you take this in earthly relationships and it just works. You fall in love. There's love. And in that love, you develop faith in each other. Well, it's, it's called faith slash trust because that's what it means. So now you love each other and you're developing trust, faith, in each other. What does that eventually lead to? Well, that love and faith leads to hope. Oh. The hope is you're going to have a great life together, a great future together. Right? It's like, it's like love, faith, and hope. They work together. They work perfect with God in our relationship, and they work perfect in earthly relationships. When you love somebody, you develop trust in them, faith, and then you have hope for a great tomorrow. All earthly relationships should be based off that model right there because that's God's model. And if you do that, I bet you things are going to work out. Well, I'm going to pause there for today and we'll pick it up there next time. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.